Would you like to accelerate your career and reach your full potential in just minutes a day? Welcome to the LeadX Show with New York Times bestselling author and Inc. 500 entrepreneur, Kevin Cruz. Hey, is it Friday already? Welcome back to the Lead X Leadership Show. This is the Friday edition, also known as Fan Mail Friday, also known as Kevin's feeling a little better. Kevin's C5, C6 spinal compression is feeling a little better. In just a minute, I'm going to be answering questions about the difference between a coaching meeting and a one-on-one -on -one meeting with your direct reports. I'm going to be addressing a question about productivity from a very busy librarian. And you remember young Jack asking about self-awareness? Well, he was curious about my list of things to do to drive self-awareness. But first, you know what I'm going to ask you for. If you haven't already left a review, an online rating or review for the LeadX Leadership Show on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you're listening, please do so. And if you're just listening from our website, then just put the review up in your LinkedIn profile or on your Facebook page. That would be great. These reviews drive visibility and eyeballs and traffic, and it's what we need. And when you leave that review, just send an email to info at leadx.org, and Jackie's going to send you a double top secret link to our exclusive VIP group on Facebook. Also, by the time you're listening to this episode, there's going to be less than two weeks for you to get in on the ridiculously low, I think it's $7 a month, LeadX Academy, where you can take the Big Five personality quiz for self-awareness. You get access to over 250 micro lessons from me and others on productivity, leadership, management. We just released an experimental chatbot that's getting smarter by the day more and more and more. You wait till June 1st, the price triples. That is it, leadx.org, three days. You can just check it out for free and then decide if it's something that's right for you. So the first question I'm gonna to tackle today, management question, it came in and it basically asked, what is the difference between a weekly one-on-one -on -one meeting with your direct reports and coaching meetings with your direct reports? And the question came from someone who is a member of our LeadX Academy. We have training online on-demand courses around both of those topics, one-on-one -on -one meetings or O3s, and also how to run uh, a coaching session or how to lead through coaching. And on the coaching part, we teach the classic GROW model, G-R-O-W, goals, resources, options, and way forward or will, will forward. And so there is some overlap because I think a good leader, a good manager will use a coaching style and may even do some coaching sessions at the very end of the weekly one-on-one. -on -one. So it, it, this is a great question to kind of clarify. The short version is that with a weekly one-on-one -on -one or a bi-weekly one-on-one, -on -one, you want to get this one-on-one -on -one time with every single one of your direct reports and the goal is to facilitate two-way communication and to improve the relationship. It is your team members meeting. I mean, really your first question should be what's on your mind. So that way it could be anything from personal to professional projects to gossip, what's on your mind, they go. And if it's a 30 minute weekly meeting, you should assume that they're going to spend 15 to 20 minutes really sharing with you, driving uh, the conversation. 
Now, I always have kind of a checklist or an agenda, and then anything that my team members don't automatically update me on, I will then follow up in my final 5, 10, 15 minutes. So again, the weekly one-on-one, it, the goal is just for communication, keep everybody in sync, and to build that personal relationship. I usually always start, you know, how was your weekend, and then what's on your mind? So it's some personal stuff, then whatever they want to talk about, and then any project updates or status things I tack on at the end. So what's a coaching meeting? Well, a manager uh, should develop his or her people. And, you know, I prefer a coaching style and I often teach the, again, it's the grow model. I might've gotten it wrong just a minute ago. It's, you know, goals, reality, options, and way forward or will. So in a coaching meeting, the purpose is to accomplish the an agreed upon goal. So if I'm your manager, maybe your goal is to become a better uh, presenter, you know, public speaker, presenter in meetings. And so over a, you know, it, we might agree that you're going to accomplish that goal in four weeks or four months, or maybe it's an annual goal. And then uh, through a series of meetings in that time period, all we're talking about is, is you accomplishing that goal. And again, the grow model, you know, we would start by, is it the right goal? You know, what goal do you want to pursue? Is it the right goal? How will you know if you've hit it? Uh, how will you feel? Um, reality is about, you know, where are you now? So here's where you want to be. Here's where you are today. Like, let's take a look at that gap and agree on that. O in the grow model is options. So big list of like, what are all the things you could be doing uh, to advance towards your goal? How, you know, books, resources, training, libraries, experiences, mentors, coaches. What if money wasn't an object? What if time wasn't an object? We have this giant list, this menu. And then way forward or will is like, what are you going to do? So we've got 35 different things. You're going to do, you're going to get a book. Okay. By when I'm going to get a book this Friday and I will have it read by the end of the month and we'll report to you what I learned. I will join Toastmasters, you know, whatever it is. So you know, sometimes, again, if you've got an extra five minutes at the end of your one-on-one -on -one meeting and the purpose of the one-on-one -on -one is not to be advancing towards the goal, remember, it's relationship and communication. But if you've got a spare five minutes, sure, you could say, hey, <laughs> tell me about that book. Did you get that book on Friday like you said? Or did you start reading the book? Or how's the book so far? Like you can certainly go into coaching grow model mode in that time, but it's really a separate thing. And again, in some, depending on the goal, you could get through all four steps of the grow model in one conversation, or it could be a dozen conversations over the course of a year. So that's kind of the difference between the two. Now I'm going to tack on one last thing, which is a coaching meeting with the grow models different than just a coaching style. So I encourage all of us to you know, ask more questions rather than give more answers. That goes back to the old, you know, more Yoda, less Superman. Very hard for us to do. I still Superman things all of the time, especially when I get stressed out or it's late in the day and I'm, everybody wants to go home. But, uh, you know, we should, be, we should strive to use a coaching, a questioning approach as part of our everyday management. Our next question is a productivity question from Chrissy. She writes, I'm a library director at a small public library that does a tremendous amount of programming. On any given day, I might be the director, a library clerk checking out books, the IT person, a janitor, or the landscaper. Most days when I'm at the library, I don't accomplish anything because staff needs my help, patrons want to say hi, or the phone needs to be answered. 
a considerable part of our success is friendly customer service. So it's not easy to close my door and ignore everyone. I love the library, but need to get a grip on my workload and find a balance between work and home. I'd love to hear your thoughts, Chrissy. First, Chrissy, thanks for the important work you are doing. You're obviously very dedicated and passionate about your work. And of course, I'm not really giving advice. I don't know you, your situation. I haven't followed you around for a day or a week. So take this with a grain of salt. Having said that, I would start like any one of the 15 secrets that successful people know about time management could make an impact. I'd say just go through them one at a time and try them. Where I would begin is always with your most important task. Now, remember, the most important task isn't the like burning bridge of the day. It's like, what is the bigger goal you have for the quarter or for the year, whatever it might be? And what is the one domino you could do today in 15 minutes, in 30 minutes, or hopefully 60 minutes every single day to advance that domino? Maybe it's a new five-year strategic plan for the library. Maybe it's a new funding request for the local supervisors. Maybe it's the capital plan that needs to be reviewed, things like that. So the idea is, what are those bigger things that you're not getting to in the hustle and bustle? And then think every morning, what is the one little thing I can do today to advance on that big goal? And then of course, schedule that as the first thing you do. You know, even if you have to come in 30 minutes early every single day or work on it 30 minutes at home before going into the library, then you're getting that MIT progress day after day after day. And psychologically, you're going to feel so much better. The second thing is I actually went onto your website and you do have a lot of programming, you know, events for kids and crafts and speeches and movie nights through the summer. And what comes to mind to me is the 80-20 rule. Like, look at the patterns. Do you really need to be doing all of those things? And I'm just making this up, but like if you are offering 10 movies through the summer, is there an 80-20 pattern where like two of those movies is getting, you know, 80% of the people showing up, they're really popular, um, or, or even flip it. Can you get 80% of your traffic, of, of, your, of your people who you are serving with half the number of, of events? So you're still getting most of the benefit, but you've cut your workload in half. And apply that down the thing. Do you need to have 50 authors a year come in for a reading? Or could you do it with 25? And I know you would hate to cut any single thing. People love this stuff. But again, you know, we all have the same 1,440 minutes a day. So we do have to just choose how we spend that time. The other thing is, I mean, it sounds really uh, not optimal that you could be yourself, the janitor, landscaper, IT, et cetera. All those things that are not core to your job though, can you group them? For example, Myself even, Fridays, I try to leave as like admin time, meaning if I need to run to the bank, if I need to go buy computers or fix computers or install computers, if I need to have, God forbid, a meeting or a phone call with somebody outside of my company, um, I try to stack those up. So again, mindset wise, I stay in the zone doing more core work Monday through Thursday. And then if I have to go and pull weeds or fix, take a virus off somebody's computer in the library or whatever it is, you know, I try to allocate that, you know, for its own time. Now, the other thing, I mean, this is just really quick and random. The other thing that I have found in my own life, Chrissy, we've never met, so I'm not saying this is about you, but to really pause and think about ego, 
Like it feels great when people come to me with a problem and I solve it. It feels great when our customers say, hey, can I talk to Kevin? I just want to tell him how awesome LeadX is and give him some feedback. You know, I, I feel good. It boosts my ego. It makes me feel good to help people. It makes me feel competent and accomplished when I'm solving problems. And yet, of course, as the leader, I should be teaching my team members how to do all of that. You know, again, more Yoda, less Superman. You don't want to Superman everything. If your staff needs your help, either you've hired incompetent staff or you haven't trained them properly or you are not enabling them to, to make mistakes and, and all the rest. So think about, is there another way that you can keep most of the customer service that, that you need without you being the person that everybody turns to. Chrissy, thanks again for the question, for the work you're doing, and best of luck. Our next question comes from Young Jack, who you will recall from the last episode or two. You know, he wrote in saying, hey, one of your guests talked about self-awareness. You need to learn all these things about yourself. But he says, how? Like, where do I go? And we tried to give him some tips about online resources and other things. And I mentioned, you know, that's not necessarily my list, it was someone else's list. And he said, well, what, what is your list? So, you know, Jack, I didn't have time to like really think this through or to write it up, but off the top of my head, when it comes to areas of self-awareness, I can share this. And what might be valuable to some of you out there is where I begin is a place that I've never heard anybody else begin. You know, there, there are, I believe, four key secrets to traditional success and or life happiness. And the num the one most important one is, is something I never figured out until I was in my 40s. And that's environment. Your environment counts. So when it comes to self-awareness, you need to think about what type of environment do you thrive in and what is going on in your environment that's affecting you. So big picture, like this sounds crazy, but like you're, imagine concentric, you know, uh, circles and at the outermost layer, it's the world, it's countries. And it sounds odd, but I literally know several Americans who are not very happy uh, with their lives and their jobs and everything when they were here in the United States. And now they're out in other countries and they are a whole lot happier. Um, my doorman in Philly, Rocky, we were just talking about how he was born and raised in Egypt. And he now uh, came over to the United States and he's way happier in the United States than in Egypt. So it's not like there's one country that's the best. It's what part of the world and what country is right for you. And, and uh, unfortunately, we don't quite have the mobility around the world that uh, makes it easy. But um, for many of us, you, you do have a choice. More practically, I mean, think about just rural, suburban, or urban. You know, I was born and raised in suburban Southern California. It was never <laughs> in sprawling California. I mean, that's all we had was suburbs. I mean, even Los Angeles is really a sprawling, it's not like a traditional city. And I never thought about it. And so, you know, I go to a suburban college and I work in suburban areas and live in suburban areas. I gotta tell you, when I started living in Center City, Philadelphia, I mean, my quality of life doubled and I never knew it. I just didn't even think about that urban you know, atmosphere. And for others, it'd be like, oh my God, get me away from the, the people noise. I wanna live on a mountain, you know, cool. You need to think about that environment. It even comes to, I would say, now this is where it's gonna get 
a little weird, but like the closest environment to you physically is your body. So our bodies are the environments that carry us around the world. And if you're not in tune, like if you want to Google around quantified self, you know, there's a movement where people are, you know, tracking their steps and getting blood drawn every month to get their blood counts. Like you can go really crazy with this. But I think in general, people don't realize that your emotions and your thoughts and your energy are driven by the environment of your body. So, you know, if you're lactose intolerant and don't know it, you're going to be feeling those effects. Uh, If you are, (laughs) and speaking from experience, and, you know, I went for decades totally exhausted and, and half asleep and depressed and all the rest. And it turns out I had, I have severe sleep apnea that was undiagnosed. I was always fairly thin and young and no doctor ever thought to test me for sleep apnea until I came up with it myself, went to a sleep lab and I'm like, oh wow, you know, you, you wake yourself up every 45 seconds. Um, you know, you're, it's, it's amazing you're alive. So, you know, your body, you've got to realize like, does your body, um, react well to certain foods and not to others? Do you have allergies that need to be taken care of? Whatever it is. And this sounds like 101 stuff to so many of us, but you know, I grew up lower middle class, first kid in my family to go to college. Like our family didn't, we didn't go to doctors, you know? So your body is the ultimate environment for yourself. So find out what makes it feel good and, and pay attention to that. So that's my first weird piece of advice. And then I think, you know, more traditionally, who are you related to personality? And we've talked about that. You know, there's the online disc MBTI. I like the big five. Um, you can take it for a limited time for free at leadx.org forward slash personality hyphen quiz big five. I, you guys are going to kill me for this. Email me if you want the link. It's up on our website and stuff. You know, and, and again, I don't overplay it. Like I think those personality tests can change and we change and we change our personality depending on the environment and who we're with, but it's kind of good to know, like, okay, um, I'm going out to this big business networking event and I feel horrible. Is it because I'm bad at it or just because I'm an introvert and I need time to energize? You know, it just is good to know some key aspects of your personality. I think knowing your strengths and weaknesses is helpful. You know, we talked about Clifton Strengths, the Gallup Strengths Finder, but it can be more uh, informal than that too. I mean, you know, in business, I see it at the highest levels. Like I've got very successful friends who are brilliant and they're the visionaries, the big picture people, the relationship people, and they drive me crazy because they can never show up for a meeting on time. They never send you what they tell you they're going to send you. It takes forever for them to sign a contract. You know, they're not, they're, they're great at the big stuff and they're horrible at the detail stuff. And then you get a guy like me, you know, I'm somewhere in between. I'm very conscientious personality wise. It's a strength that I do the follow up. I always do what I say, but I'm not always the best relationship guy, right? So knowing sort of your strengths and to play to them is, uh, is important as well. Couple others, uh, you know, more traditional would be what do you value? What are your values? See, most of what we do, how we behave, comes from our beliefs and, and values. So, you know, do you value your health? Really? Yes or no? Do you value your health or do you value looking good? And be honest with yourself, you know, do you value um, 
faith and that that in, and what does that look like? Is that you know going to worship every week or is that serving people? So just get clear on your values because you can't really live a life attuned to them until you know what they are, until you've really thought them through. Um, and then two others, uh, you know, maybe less less common. Who do you want to serve? Who do you want to help? When so many people come to me and say, I want to be an entrepreneur, I want to be rich, how do I make a million dollars? What do I do? And they're they're thinking, is it Bitcoin or real estate or consulting or whatever? And I always say, it's not so much about what you want to sell, but who do you want to serve? Because that's going to be the thing that can sustain you. You know, do you want to serve businesses or individuals? Individuals, okay, uh, old people or young people, uh, people who are oppressed, people who are rich, like whoever it is, really dial down to who you want to serve because then there's going to be a lot of different ways to serve them. And in fact, when you first start working with them, you're offering a widget. The best way to grow your business is to set, is to not sell a widget to a whole new person, it's to ask your current customers, what else are you buying? And then they'll buy from you because they know, like, and trust you. And then finally, what puts you into a flow state? Think about the times at work or the times at play when time just goes. I mean, like, you know, it's noon and now all of a sudden I look up, oh my gosh, it's six o'clock. I never stopped for lunch or coffee or a break. It's now dinner time. That was weird. You know, what were you doing? The more you pick uh, a career that puts you into that flow state, you can't be in it all the time, but as often as possible throughout the day or a week or at least a month, the better. So, you know, what puts you into flow? Jack, hopefully that helps you on your personal journey of growth. And please keep in touch. I'd love to hear what you're coming up with, you know, in terms of this journey of self-awareness. As we wrap up, remember leadx.org is where you go to check out free for three days, the LeadX Academy. If you want to sign up to my personal newsletter, you can go to kevincruz.com. You can also find me on uh, Instagram at Kevin Author. You can find me on my Facebook page at Cruz Author. You can find me on Twitter at Cruz. And again, that's all K-R-U-S-E, Cruz. Uh, and thanks for your support. I really appreciate you giving me your time on this and spreading the word to others. This weekend, remember, of course, you know it. Leadership isn't a choice because leadership is influence. We're just influencing people in a positive direction or a negative direction. It's your choice which direction, but you are a leader whether you want to be or not. How are you going to lead today? <laughs> 